This is Chelsea. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, a podcast on which we rewatch very special episodes of TV from the past and figure out what they have to teach us today. Today we are going to be looking at Parks and Recreation. The episode is called Flu Season. This is Season 3, Episode 2. First premiered January 27th, uh, 2011 and written by Norm Hiscock. Yep. Um, yep. This is what we're doing, folks. Look. (laughs) We, uh, it's a weird time in the world. We're recording this, uh, uh, just a peek behind the curtain. We're recording this the last week of March, first week of April. Um, and everything's real weird. We're recording from our own separate houses. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we've decided to do, uh, sort of a themed episode for our first, um, for our introduction back into season four. Yeah, we decided for this season, uh, season four, welcome back. Um, Thanks. We, because oh, you were welcoming me back? Yeah, welcome, welcome, me welcome back, to you, you. Welcome to your cats who I can see on video who are normally not with us during recording because we normally record at my house. Um, mm-hmm. Welcome to back to the listeners. It's the apocalypse, right? Like, it's weird. Mm-hmm. This is the edge of sanity. We're, we've reached the edge of the world. And so we've decided... This is Bridget Zone- Jones, <laughs> the end of sanity. <laughs> the end of sanity. <laughs> Dare I say. <laughs> so what we've decided to do for this season is whatever. Like, we're not going to yeah. technically stick to the very special episode um, as rigidly as we have. We're going to just kind of do whatever we feel like doing, whatever seems fun, mm-hmm. whatever seems maybe applicable. Um, also, try to, like find shows that you can watch too uh sometimes mm-hmm. as much as we can like for instance all of parks and recreation is on both netflix and hulu so go yeah. find it yeah go watch so, ahead of time this time i mean we've all got legit nothing but time so maybe pause the podcast go watch what we say we're gonna talk about and that way you can be you know more involved yeah um, in, in listening sure <laughs> you can be more involved in listening also, we still, of course, take uh, take requests like old time radio Absolutely. DJs. So send us an email at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail dot com, or send us a DM on Instagram or Facebook. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Uh, I don't. I'm not going to rule out talking about Tiger King um, because because like we talk just, about <laughs> we talk about Tiger talk King about a lot Tiger just King. off mic, yeah. um, but it doesn't. But who knows? I want to do. I really want to do like an episode of Unsolved Mysteries this ep- this yeah. season, which would just be bonkers. Or Speaking whatever. Speaking of Unsolved Mysteries, <laughs> my deep dive into Different Strokes uh, season four has really <laughs> sent me down a rabbit hole. Uh, so yeah. look forward to that. Uh, I've got so many conspiracy theories about Different Strokes and all sorts of things. Uh, we're gonna Maybe do an we'll ABC do an- after school special. This mm-hmm. time around, maybe um, we'll do a non-holiday episode of my so-called life. Who knows? Watch Every, out. Everything's uh, on guys, the table. We're gonna get vaguely ridiculous. <laughs> uh, so yeah, for this time out, we're we're doing a sort of uh, themed episode based on the theme of the world yeah. uh, right now. Um, so before we get any further in, let's do a quick you wrote what? Yeah, you 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 wrote what? So Norm, Hisc- Norm Hiscock doesn't write anything crazy, but he was an SNL writer. 
uh, from 1994 to 1997. And when I was looking for something for this segment, I noticed that at least at that time, the episodes of Saturday Night Live are uh, the titles of the episodes are the guest and then the musical guest. Mm. So I've uh, collected um, several episodes that Norm Hiscock wrote on to give us a peek into what life was like in 1994 through 1997. I love as it. As I feel like these, these will definitely give you an idea. So here are some titles of the shows that Norm Hiscock wrote on. John Travolta and Seal. <laughs> it only gets kookier. George Foreman and Hole. <laughs> mm-hmm. David Hyde Pierce and Live. Mm-hmm. Bob Saget and TLC. Oh, Match Made in Heaven. Wait, no, you think so, but hold on. <laughs> Wait until you hear about Tom Arnold and Tupac Shakur. <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell and Whitney Houston. I feel like that's a nugget like of time when those I people be were in the green room. and alive. Yeah, I feel like they might have hit it off. You know what I mean? They might have, yeah. In the green room. Uh, no doubt hit it off was Jeff Goldblum and En Vogue. Yep, yep, yep. And then most thematic to the episode we're about to talk about, he wrote on the Saturday Night Live episode, Rob Lowe and Spice Girls. Aww. So there you go. <laughs> that is great. So he already had, already had experience with Rob Lowe and yes. let's not forget about the Spice Girls. And the Spice Girls. I feel Girls. permeates every episode of Parks and Rec, you know. So Parks and Recreation obviously is not... We wouldn't call it yet classic television. This episode is only Mm -hmm. eight years old um, or nine years old now. Um, But what the hell? This is this is season four. This is the this is the gas leak season to quote community. This is whatever we (laughs) want it to be. Um, So Parks and Recreation is one of my favorite shows, like maybe my top in my top five shows of all time. How about you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Um, I feel like I hold the office in a little higher esteem, but anything that Michael Schur has ever worked on is, is just yeah. goddamn brilliant. So, uh, yeah. yes, um, not as big a fan as some people, but I definitely have I've watched it like three or four times straight yeah. through. I love this show uh, for a lot of reasons. I think the reason I like it a little bit more than The Office is because I it resonates for me because my my family was involved in small town politics my whole life mm-hmm. and I grew up I mean Pawnee is like weird that the size of the city is very unspecific sometimes things are happening and you're like that would not happen in a small town but that makes it extra funny but I I just I love this show I actually tried to make my dad watch it once and he thought it was funny but it like hit too close to home like it made him uncomfortable watching the scenes of the city council members and people like citizens yelling about nonsense and um he was just like this is it's too it's too close to my actual lived experience (laughs) of my professional life Um, i also uh you know it resonates a lot with me with the the small town nature of it with the the sorts of people you'll see in a small town who are willfully ignorant or you know really tied up in their own drama or their own agendas um from very specific the we talked about um there's a couple who promote abstinence-only sex education, and yeah. they are very specific uh, <laughs> religious couple. Who the gentleman is very effeminate, and I knew several couples like that. I think another reason I love it is because I just love the character Leslie Nope. I like mm. her 
I like her more than Michael Scott, if I had to put them in a death oh, match sure. for, for my affections. Um, so, in case you uh, don't, if you're not familiar, Parks and Recreation was an American political satire sitcom TV series shot mockumentary style like The Office. Uh, it was created by Greg Daniels and Mike Schur, and it aired on NBC from 2009 to 2015 for 125 episodes over seven seasons. The ordinary world of the show centers around Leslie Nope, as played by Amy Poehler. She is a perky mid-level bureaucrat in the Parks Department of Pawnee, Indiana, a fictional town. And the thing that I love about Leslie Nope as a protagonist is that she wants to both make people happy and have people like her and be good at her job, exactly. which are mutually impossible when you work for the government. Um, so the constant battle every episode is how do I both do what's best for people and have them like me? And yeah. she just, I mean, that is the engine that fuels the entire series for 125 episodes. It does lead to Leslie Note being a, a more valiant character than Michael Scott, who is whose motivations are similar in that he wants to be beloved by everybody, but his secondary motivation is just to keep his job. Yeah. Again, he'll do the bare minimum to keep the job, but it's mostly about, you know, the office being his his family and friends. Yeah. This is sort of like presumptuous. It presumes that, you know, or as time goes on, like the, the office, that the Parks and Rec becomes its own small, like, family. Yes. Of, like, you know, interesting folks. It's interesting because the show did undergo some tone and format changes after its first season. It got oh, yeah. a it got a pretty tepid reception its first season, and uh, it, it underwent some tone changes, especially around Leslie's character. People thought she seemed ditzy and dumb. Um, she comes back in season two, and she's she's just much more articulate and powerful character. Not in a way that feels like, "Ooh, who's this person?" But it just organically kind of she grew into her power a little bit. And by season three, this season we're going to talk about, it had really hit its stride. Um, the next season after this, it would be named Time's number one television series of the year. And the season after that, it would receive the Television Critics Association Award for Outstanding Achievement in Comedy. So it was like both critically praised and had a huge viewership. Um, right. Was nominated for a lot of awards, didn't win very many. Um, but those things are always so weirdly political. Yeah, it's it's very strange to, you know, I think that I've got nothing against the guy who plays Phil Dunphy on Modern Family, but should he have won like 10 years in a row for mm. best uh, comedic actor? It, it just, yeah, I, I don't feel like they ever really... Oh, like, for example, Michael Scott never won mm -hmm. uh, an Emmy, I believe. He never won an Emmy for his uh, work on The Office, which is ridiculous. Yeah, Amy Poehler never won an Emmy for this. Uh, so, folks, these are difficult times. Mm -hmm. uh, the grocery stores that we go to nowadays are without toilet paper or um, pasta, except for Rattoni, which people are like, <laughs> fuck that. It's the weirdest <laughs> thing. Two grocery stores that I've been to recently, completely devoid of everything except penne pasta and Rattoni. Is it Rattoni? Interesting. Rigatoni? I don't know. Is the spirally Ro thing? Rotini? Rotini. Yeah, so that brings us to the quarantine-style uh, snack segment, which I'm calling This Is What They Had. Mm -hmm. So recently I went to the store, and what I wanted was some dairy-free ice cream, and they didn't have any, Andy, but this is what they had. Oh, what is that? Uh, it looks like it's Ben & Jerry's chocolate chip cookie dough chunks. 
snackable yep, dough. There's too many adjectives dough. happening here. <laughs> ben and this Jerry's is basically of snackable dough. This is at the on the back. It says this is basically like if you're the person that reads that eats chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream just to tunnel down to the chunks of dough. Here are just the chunks of dough. And yeah. you keep it frozen. You can't bake this. I don't think you could play. It might be interesting to try. No, but feel, it's no. meant to be eaten as a <laughs> frozen feel, snack. Somebody did at one point, uh, long, long ago, did take cookie dough ice cream from Ben and Jerry's and tried to cook the cookie dough. And it was not great. Because yeah. in order to keep it as a snack that you can consume raw, they have to take a lot of the, the dairy and eggs. They have to take the eggs out of it. Oh, that makes sense. So this is what um, it looks like. It Just looks little. like. Guess what, folks? It looks like cookie dough yep. chunks. All right, it looks like um, dog food. It looks like kibble. Stop! I have to eat this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're a boy, make a big noise, playing in the street. Gonna be a big man someday. You got mud on your face. You big disgrace. Kicking your can all over the place. Singing. We will. We This is yeah. delicious. This is so oh, good. Great. It tastes exactly like it's supposed to taste. It tastes like you just tunneled it out of the ice cream. Uh, there you can, go. can recommend. Also, just looked it up. Amy Poehler has been nominated many times for both writing and acting Emmys and has never won. Disqualifies the entire award in my mind. So She won something at some point because she talks about it in her... Okay. Good. So the thing you found was all right. I have it's yet good. to find acceptable snacks, folks, but, you know, stay tuned. Who yeah. knows? Who knows what the grocery store will hold from day to day? That's it, Ford. This is what they had. Um, this is what they had <laughs> at the grocery store today. Let's, let's talk about goddamn episode of television. Yay! Let's talk about the ordinary world. In an ordinary world. All right. At this point in the series, Parks and Recreation, here's what's going on. We're at the top of season three, second episode of mm-hmm. season three. At the end of season two... Auditors came from the governor's office in Indianapolis. They reviewed the finances of the city of Pawnee and realized they needed to shut down the government. So the city government was shut down by auditors. And Leslie Nope, our heroine, deputy director of the Parks Department, is bound and determined to raise some money for the city to get things going again. So for most of season three, she's working on a huge event called the Harvest Festival. Mm-hmm. And this is like a big, this is going to make her career. It's going to save the city. It's like a big deal uh, that she's working She's working toward for the most of this season. Not mistaken, the Harvest Festival used to be a mm-hmm. uh, yearly thing, and then it's just been abandoned. Yeah. Or like 10 years ago or something like that. It yeah. just hasn't been done in a while, and it just... This is a really cool season to see that develop. It's nice that they start having overarching like ideas behind each season. It really ties everything together. Yeah, she's resurrecting this thing for mostly altruistic. I mean, she does talk about how this is going to make her career, but yeah. this is mostly altruistic. Um, it's also interesting because at the end of season two, she's sitting with one of the auditors, Ben Wyatt, who they have a real... Um, antagonistic relationship when they first meet and she Mm. and he says to her well you want to run for office one day don't you and she's like yeah i do i never said that out loud but that's the first time we hear on this show that like she has these greater political ambitions um so now we have that that's part of the mix of the world now too 
So that's where we are. The ordinary world of Pawnee is literally sick in this episode. A terrible yeah. flu is going around. Um, and Ann Perkins, Leslie's best friend, is a nurse at the hospital, and she's combating it. And so this is, again, a mockumentary-style show, so we constantly have people looking at the camera and saying, this is what's going on. It really saves time expositionally. It's That really seems to be the, 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 the method here. I think that's what people... Because it's mockumentary-style, but to no end. Like they, they break it's modern family, uh, began as a mockumentary style, um, show called, uh, our American, our American family, where it was going to be the premise of the show was going to be people from like Norway came to America to film what an American family looked like. And then after they shot the pilot, they were like, well, this is all working except for that Norway part. So let's just take out anything that refers to the documentarians, but leave the rest the same, which started Mm -hmm. this sort of spinoff of the mockumentary style, which is mockumentary style without any sort of reference to a upcoming documentary, no camera crews, no nothing. It's just sort of like a weird fantasy thing that, that everybody's done because it's easier. It's easier just to have like somebody cut away and tell us exactly what they're thinking at the time. There's comedy to be mined from it as well. And Parks and Recreation was allegedly, is not the right word, was originally meant to be a spinoff of The Office. The idea was that Mm -hmm. Dunder Mifflin was going to ship a bunch of copiers to this small town city hall and that was going to be the lead in but they they scrapped all that the office did a better job of being like this is a hidden recording like these people don't know we're recording this and this is why we can get this and this show is just like we're waking up in bed with characters there would never be documentarians there but part of the comedy of it and this is again from um yes please amy poehler's book she talks about how the creators spent time before they started shooting determining how people how people act on camera and how they act off camera. And if there's comedy Mm. or like character development to be mined from the way people present when they know they're being filmed and when they don't. And one of the decisions they made about Leslie Nope's character is that she is the same on camera and off camera. Like she hides nothing. Um, She really is who she seems to be. And that's part of the reason why you Mm. like her so much is because like you, you have this window in who she is when she thinks she's not being recorded and she's the same person. So anyway, but in this episode, it's mostly just expositional. Yeah. So hooray for doctors and nurses. Hooray for Ann Perkins combating the flu. And uh, one of the patients that Anne has to deal with is April Ludgate, played by Aubrey Plaza. And she is the Parks Department intern who hates everything, but she hates mm-hmm. Anne the most of all the things that she hates. Specifically, right now, there's a there's a, a plot point where she and Andy, who will eventually get together, are sort of flirting and doing a little bit of a will-they-won't-they. They, and... Uh, Andy is Ann Perkins' ex-boyfriend, who wasn't meant to be beyond the first season, but mm-hmm. um, Christopher Chris Pratt, who plays Andy, was you know so, so good. good. I think it's the previous episode, or maybe it's a season ender from the last one. It's a season yeah. ender. Season ender. Andy gets hurt again and ends up in the hospital, and he and Ann have a confusing moment. Ann kisses him, and April sees it, and now April's pissed off at both of them. Well, she doesn't see it. He tells her. Um, we tell she her, comes right. in. She comes in and she's like, I'm sorry you got hurt. And he's like, I really want to be with you. Oh, also, mm-hmm. I kissed Anne. And she gets That's super right. mad. And you, you think they're finally going to get together and then they don't. So 
April's in the hospital. And also, when I was taking notes, I was like, April, Andy, and these names are too alliterative to be in a love triangle. This is just <laughs> three versions of the it's same true. name. So Anne and Andy have kissed. Anne is the nurse. April is the patient. April is mad. And so she is using that little nurse call button to just kind of drive Anne crazy at a time when the hospital staff is already stretched thin because yeah. Pawnee is all falling sick to this flu. Just before we move along, uh, I just want to note as somebody named Andy who has dated somebody named Anne, I know that that's a bad idea. There's (laughs) so many, so many reasons for Anne and Andy not to be together. It is, you've got the raggedy angle. You've got the, our names sound exactly alike. You've got, that's going to be cute whether we like it or not kind of a thing. Um, So just, just know. Just know that I'm aware yeah. that this is not a good idea, that Anne and Andy were never meant to be. So we know that this flu is going around. We haven't, we've only been at the hospital. That's our cold open all takes mm. place at the hospital. Yep. Now we have the theme song, which is uh, shots of Pawnee and shots of the cast. And it makes us, it just reminds us who's in the show. It's a real straightforward theme song. There's no lyrics. Um, you see small town kids playing on swing sets and, and then, you know, the cast members pretty straightforward. So then we open, uh, the episode proper with our call to adventure. Yes. Call to waffles more like it. (laughs) This made me want waffles so bad. Um, Leslie is at one of her favorite spots, JJ's diner. And she explains that she needs 80 local businesses to sign up to sponsor the Harvest Festival. Normally, this is the kind of thing that she lives for, but she's not feeling well. So this is our, it's a very clear call to adventure. We need 80 local businesses to sponsor the Harvest Festival. Um, That's the number we're heading for. And this, this, there's a very important Chamber of Commerce meeting tonight. She's trying to get JJ of JJ's Diner to come to the meeting of the Chamber of Commerce tonight. This is where she's going to pitch to all the local businesses that they should sponsor this festival. Right. Um, since we're talking about an episode that has a lot to do with small towns, and we're both from small towns, two quick questions. Did you, in Bogalusa, did you have anything uh, analogous to um, JJ's Diner? And did you have anything like a harvest festival in Bogalusa? No, we didn't have anything akin to JJ's Diner. We had nothing that was independently owned. We had Mm. the Waffle House. We had Shoney's. We had places like that. People would go. Um, We had a couple of restaurants that we obviously have hometown restaurants, but nothing along the lines of like a diner, which is, I love a diner. So that makes Mm. me sad. But um, we did have a festival. Every tiny town in Louisiana has its own festival. If you're actually from Bogalusa, you're going to quickly realize that that is just a code name for where I'm from. Because where I'm from, we had the Oil and Gas Festival. Oh, no. What? Yeah, because our town is where oil was first discovered in Louisiana in the 1800s. So oh, every really year something. we'd have the Oil and Gas Festival. And it was, depending on if there were like a big thing happening, if it was like the bicentennial of the town or something, we might have like a real B-list country singer come to the festival. Mm. And some some years it was just like local vendors and carnival games and fireworks. And it was always a big deal. I always really like, I mean, every town in Louisiana, there's, of course, there's a pageant, there's a rodeo, you know. Uh, Fancy Gap had a few different hometown diner kind of things. We had a place called the Crab Cake House, which was our upscale restaurant 
that served local uh, seafood, crab cakes especially. That was sort of a fancy place, but again, you get up like as fancy, like, uh, should we go to Waffle House or the Crab Cake House tonight? Oh, they're both houses. Which one (laughs) would be better? Most famously in our small town was the Ship's Wheel Diner. Uh, or the Ship's Wheel Restaurant, which I never went to. I don't think anybody in my family did. It was like a loungy kind of restaurant place that, uh, when we had been living there, I think like in the early 90s, was raided by the DEA because they were selling drugs out of their freezer, <laughs> allegedly. Uh, so <laughs> it was just like, all right. It was, it was, and this is like pre-meth, so I think they were just selling like Coke or something out of there, and it's like, uh, Okay, <laughs> the fancy gap is right on the Chesapeake Bay, and I, nobody monitored or it monitored it like it was so obscure that I'm sure people could like ride boats into it, and it was like, uh, okay, sure. You, do you really yeah. want to go to Fancy Gap? That's fine. <laughs> sure. Uh, as far as festivals are concerned, every year we had the seafood festival. Ooh, um, fun. Yeah, which was just like a local parade. And then at our city hall, we'd have like a little like area where you could buy fried foods and beer. Um, I don't know that, that there were necessarily right now. Oh, and I think there was like a game where it was like yeah, to fucking dunk the town mayor or something like that. Who I can't attest to wasn't just a crab who was elected every year. <laughs> it might <laughs> might very well have been like some places elect dogs like over and over as their mayor. Ours might have been some sort of uh, hard shell crab. Let's remember our hometown upbringings in Mm -hmm. these trying times while we watch uh, this ridiculous show. So, yes, Leslie is noted uh, by J.J. himself as being uh, his favorite customer. And she's like, oh, I bet you say that to everybody. He's like, no, you spent over $1,000 in waffles alone this year. Uh, After which it zooms in on Leslie's face and she shakes her head like, no, no, that's not true. That's not possible. No, of course it's Okay. <laughs> so JJ agrees he'll come to the meeting of the Chamber of Commerce. So one down, seventy nine to go. There you go. Now we're in the special world where Leslie has to Leslie, but she's sick, and the stakes are super high. Anne and April also have to be together under the same roof, which is not what either of them wants. Mm. And I'm sure that we will get to a C plot here soon. So we cross the birth- first threshold back at the hospital. Ron, uh, who is April's boss and Leslie's boss, he's the director of the Parks Department, mm-hmm. has brought April some magazines and lipstick, women's <sighs> stuff, you know. that he found at the drugstore. And she says, don't tell Andy that I'm here. And he agrees, uh, because he does not want to get involved in people's lives anyway. Ron, as played by Nick Offerman, is a very, um, he's like an iconic TV character. He's a big part of the series. He's very gruff. He's very standoffish. He, he's a libertarian. He doesn't, right. he works for the government, but he hates the government. And he just wants everyone to like get on with their lives and leave him out of it. And he says as much in his little talking head moment, right after he drops those things off for April, he says... I worked with a guy for years, never learned his name, best friend I ever had. We still never talk sometimes. Exactly. It's a good bit. Uh, next scene takes us back to Parks and Rec, the Parks and Rec's office, uh, where yeah. everybody has just, Leslie is, is sitting at her desk, and I believe she's just shooting a straight packet of emergency. Uh, like, yes, right, she's yeah, just, just no, no straight down her throat. It. Uh, yeah. But the rest of the office is not fooled, and they've quarantined her to her office. Yeah, they're in the conference room. Yeah. And one of my favorite moments is when Leslie tries to like get into the conference room and Donna blocks her and says, no, hit the bricks. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so I think Donna this... as played by as uh, Donna Meagle is played by Retta, uh, amazing, um, who is fantastic, fantastic on this show. Yeah, they are all in the conference room, and she's speaking to them over the phone, mm-hmm. and they're she's like, "Just let me in. We have to talk about the Harvest Festival, the Chamber of Commerce meeting." And they're like, "Go home. You're obviously yeah. sick. Go home." And she keeps denying it. She's like, "It's allergies. I've only thrown up like five times. <laughs> it's just allergies." And, and then threw it up. And they're like, "Go." home right now yeah. uh, but she wants to work because she's leslie she's very type a she's very motivated this is a big project she wants to get it done but they won't let her into the conference room so in retaliation she licks all of jerry's stuff <laughs> yes um and that move hits different now yeah honestly. it's not great i'll uh, be honest with you like a lot of the things that we're seeing um on our, our watches recently and everything that i'm watching i'm like whoa don't hug each other what are you doing <laughs> no, it's weird how like alarming it is to be like get away from each other no um, but these are the, the times in which we live. Uh, next up, I think we're going to get into our C plot here uh, in the form of Chris yeah. Traeger, um, who comes jogging into the hospital wearing a face mask uh, to see Anne, who yeah. they've been out on a couple of dates. Uh, Chris Traeger is a incredibly optimistic, positive fitness uh, health guru or nut rather, who's just like unflappable. Yeah. Uses the word literally, but means it. Yes, but he he is uh, played by Rob Lowe, and he is, at this point in the series, one of the auditors from Indianapolis. So right. he is an interloper. He's new to town, and um, he and Anne have been out on a couple of dates. So he jogs over to the hospital to show up to confirm that they have a date tomorrow night, and he's wearing a mask to present, prevent himself from getting the flu. Hey, Chris, you know what else would have prevented that? Coming uh, to the hot, just like confirm the day by phone. Yeah. Just, just call text. her on the phone. Quick text. Um, yeah. Um, so that's kind of our C plot because Anne tells the camera that she's intimidated by how perfect he is. Right. He seems to have no flaws. He seems to like, he, he never has a crossword for anybody. He's in perfect physical condition. He's yeah. eternally optimistic. And she's intimidated. She's just like, who is this guy? How well, can I date someone with no flaws? There's nothing worse than that feeling before you like connect with somebody, uh, you know, in the early goings of like dating where you're like, Ugh, I'm not like this awkward phase needs to end. Like he's like, yeah. he says that his body is like a, he says this often, his body is like a microchip. One single grain of sand could ruin it. And she's like, my body's yeah. like a chip, potato chip. And it's like, oh. It's very... And then he doesn't laugh, and she goes, no, under her breath, which, <laughs> yes. which I love. Yeah, it is. She feels like she's punching above her weight in this, at this point in their relationship, and it's uncomfortable for her. She says, one time I thought, I thought he farted one time. Turns out it was me. It was me. Yeah. So that is our C plot. Oh, wait. Now we're going to have a D plot. Yep. Now we're going to cut to back to the Parks and Rec department. This is the point at which I realize how short these scenes are. Yeah. Because I guess because you don't have to around. set anything up. Mm-hmm. The scenes are three or four lines long. Yeah. And it just bounces back and forth. And I've watched this show multiple times all the way through and never realized how short the scenes were until I had to be taking notes on it. Yeah. And then I was like, holy shit. They're just, I mean, it's three or four lines per scene. And then it, they're, they're gone. Um, we're next, next thing. So next thing, we're back at the parks department. Ron has recruited Andy, who is, uh, as we said, played by Chris Pratt and like he's like a human golden retriever yeah. really he is very enthusiastic and easygoing and lovable and dumb and clumsy and uh, completely unself-aware 
doesn't know how big he is. Andy is working at the shoe sign shoe shine station mm-hmm. at City Hall. And Ron needs someone to take over April's desk because April answers the phone to the parks department. But he wants whoever he gets to fill in to be totally ineffectual and Andy is perfect for right. that. So uh, he recruits Andy who's sitting at the shoe shine station having just made what he calls super straw. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a bunch of straws stuck together end to end. Which, as we um, all know, does and... not actually work. We've all tried to nope. do super straw. It's just <laughs> you can't perfectly fit straws together. There's going to be little gaps there, and then you yeah. can only get like okay. two straws at a time. It's just look. This is a beautiful dream. We've all had it before. It just doesn't yeah. work. Human. The best minds have been working on this for generations. And we haven't mastered it. Crazy straw. We've the, the most. The most from straw technology we've got is crazy straw. Or straws that spell out your name. Okay, so uh, so Andy agrees, and he goes to take over April's desk, mm-hmm. and he says, where's April? And Ron is like, I gave her the day off. None of your business. Yeah. Because he April said, don't tell Andy I'm in the hospital, and so he doesn't. Yeah. So uh, uh, when we get Andy back at, or when we get Andy at Ron's desk, and he immediately asks if it's okay for him to have a day off, and he's like, no, no, that would be weird. <laughs> uh, Leslie is in her office wearing a coat because she has the chills, and she talks about how she's taking Claritin and thrown them up several times. For her, quote, allergies. For her allergies. Uh, ben takes Leslie to the hospital, and it's at this point where we have one of the best lines uh, ever improvised. Oh, wait, you're skipping over a sight gag that I love. Oh, what's that? Uh, Chris and Ben come into Leslie's office for a meeting, and she is sick, obviously. And she's, they're like, are you wearing? Are you sick? Why are you wearing a coat? And then they cut to Tom, who shares an office with right. her, who's wearing a motorcycle helmet and misting himself with hand sanitizer. Yes. Which definitely feels like something that we are all a half step away from at this point I in our lives. Saw, if you could get hand sanitizer. I saw somebody yesterday wearing a sleep mask as a breathing apparatus. And I was like, well, these yep. are, this is how we're doing yep. it now. And Leslie again is like, no, I'm, I can't go home. There's this Chamber of Commerce meeting. The Harvest Festival will be over before it begins right. if we don't get the 80 people. And Ben says, all right, well, then we're going to see your doctor. Who's your doctor? And she says... Anne. Anne's the most beautiful nurse in the world. (laughs) Um, As they're leaving, an improvised line from Chris Pratt, which is maybe the funniest thing that's ever uttered on this show. Uh, He's looking at his uh, internet browser and he says, hey, according to the internet, it sounds like you, according to your symptoms, make it sound like, uh, I'm sorry, how does he put it? Well, he says, I entered your symptoms in the computer and it says you could have network connectivity problems. It's so good. It's so good. He is such a treasure. I can't believe that they didn't, you know, everything evolves, but Mm. he really was supposed to be a a season one character. And and then he was just so funny and totally, I mean, he improvised that joke. That's really good. They did a lot of takes on this show. And if you read Amy Poehler's book, which I highly recommend, um, yes, please, she talks about how they would they would get what they needed. They would get what was on, what was on the page. And then they would just do improv takes of most scenes. Right. And just, um, which most shows don't do because A, uh, the, who has time for yeah. that? And B, a lot of actors aren't improvisers. It's not always, it's not a given right. that a good actor knows how to improvise, but a lot of the people on this show had improv backgrounds, and so they would let them riff that way yeah. when they had the time, and they came up with things like this, yeah. which this is brilliant. Yeah, brilliant treat show. yourself, folks. Uh, go on to YouTube and, you know, look at some of the outtakes and bloopers and things like that. It's all, it's all really amazing. Um, so yeah, next, next we're in the hospital. We're ending this act with Leslie having a fever of 104.1. She says, would somebody who's sick be able to do this? And then she sits perfectly still and says, aren't I, aren't I doing cartwheels? 
Right. Um, so Ben. Uh, Anne is like, you're also dehydrated. Yeah. And you, you, I'm admitting you to the hospital. You can't leave. Uh, so now Ben will be in charge of the meeting. And Leslie is not into that. But she's also incredibly sick. So we end this act with her saying she doesn't really trust Ben. But she also doesn't really remember who Ben is right now. So, Right. She is a tryhard. She wants to do everything herself. She Tonight's the big presentation that she's been working toward. And I get this. I am very much like her in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I definitely am like, just do it. I'll just do it. I'll just take care of it. And then I won't have anyone to blame but myself if it doesn't go bad. If wants. it goes badly. It's what everybody wants. It's what everybody wants. <laughs> yep. I'm in charge. It's what everyone wants. It's for the best. But she doesn't really have a choice, it seems, because she is under doctor's orders to remain in the hospital. Right. And as we know, living through this pandemic, you should be social distancing if you are sick. Mm-hmm. If you are Leslie, showing you any symptoms. Staying. Yeah. <laughs> you should be in the hospital and staying there. Yeah. Coming to Act Two uh, with Ben and Tom. They've been put in charge of the meeting, and Ben quickly finds out that Tom is not into it. Uh, Tom says the worst thing they can do is prepare, (laughs) and that he wants to go to a yeah, and that he wants to go to a spa, which immediately Um, Tom is is played by. I'm sorry, we haven't said this yet. Tom is played by Aziz Ansari, and he is Leslie's. He's not the assistant. He's not Leslie's assistant, but they share an office. But he is sort of like. He's got grandiose ambitions beyond his meager bureaucratic yeah. job. He wants to be an entrepreneur. He wants to like schmooze and he wants to like, he has like big dreams for being a, a business mogul. And part of that is going to the spa, um, schmooze yeah. with other local business leaders. Um, he doesn't, he doesn't mention it at the time, but he's just like, I'm just going to go to the spa, which immediately I'm like, ugh, a spa <laughs> in Indiana must be the fucking worst. And we see it later. And it is. And it is. Um, also, we cut quickly over to Andy and uh, he is dropping all of Ron's calls, which is perfect for Ron because Ron doesn't want to talk to anybody. So that's going great right. for both of them um, at the hospital. And then we have a, yeah, at the hospital and is trying to be nice to April and April isn't having it. So. Parks and Rec, they're doing an amazing job of saying, here's where we were, here's how everything is getting worse, you know, Andy's not doing a great job, that's going well, Ron's gaining respect for him, (laughs) Anne is having even more trouble with April, and now Ben is on his own to try to get this meeting together. Yeah, um, Anne says to the camera that she's not going to break. She's going to remain professional. She is not going to give April the satisfaction of losing her cool at the hospital while she's on her shift. And then she says if she has to, she'll go into the closet and snap a bunch of tongue depressors. Mm-hmm. So Leslie and Ben are on the phone. Leslie from her hospital bed, Ben at the office, and she wants him Mm -hmm. to run every second of his Chamber of Commerce presentation by her. He's like, no, it will be fine. You just trust me. I know what I'm doing. Um, Ben is also uh, an an auditor. I don't know if you've mentioned that yet. I just assume everyone Mm -hmm. knows this show backwards and forwards. Ben is the other auditor in addition to Chris Traeger from Indiana. So part of me is a little bit like, why is he involved in this at all? I mean, I know why for the show, for the it's, development of their relationship. Yeah. But technically... It strains credulity. Yeah, it's, it strains credulity a bit that he would be involved in this presentation. Mm-hmm. But he is. Um, so he's going to do it, and she's not okay with that. Uh, cut back to Andy, who is destroying April's desk like a puppy, just pulling mm-hmm. drawers out and then looking at them and going, oops, that, that came out. Like, he didn't pull that out. Um he tells Ron he'll get him a burrito called a meat tornado for lunch and yep. runs away. Another scene that is three, four lines long. Yeah. 
Exactly. He's, it's, it's, it's not until, you know, the, the, the next little bit that you realize that this is them, this is as, as close to bonding as, as Ron is going to get. Somebody who is not good at their job, which Ron really likes and has a respect for eating. Like they're really connecting the dots between these two people. Um, yeah. So next, uh, we do, in fact, we go to Spawny. We go to Spawny. Um, where Tom is, is exactly, uh, it's like a, it's so not great. It's like a dirty pool. It's a sauna, it's a but it's like a pool. dirty pool. Um, it's a dirty hot tub. Uh, and there's a mural in the background. I don't know if you took note of this. No. There's just a mural of uh, like a grand fox hunt. Oh, but it's so, so poorly done. The it's murals like, on the show everything are Everything is, Yeah. This might gags. just be some some place here in Los Angeles <laughs> that they shot at. I wouldn't doubt it. It's it seems real obvious. Anyway, so yeah, it's just like a forest and and uh, uh, basset hounds running this way and that. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. So uh, Tom is schmoozing with a bunch of old white dudes. Uh, uh, Izzy's Ansari, obviously, uh, as you probably know, is um, Indian American, and so he is telling jokes, making them all laugh. He says that he provides, what does he say, some sort of like spice to their lives. There's like he he yeah. injects a little bit of uh, non-white exoticism basically into their uh, into their group. They all seem to be getting along great in this dirty, dirty hot tub. So then we cut to the hospital where Leslie is trying to leave for the Chamber of Commerce mm-hmm. meeting. And Anne says, I will strap you to your hospital bed. I've done it before. I've done it before. <laughs> yeah. And then we find out Chris um, is also at the hospital. Chris Traeger, body like a microchip, has gotten the flu. He has no body fat yes. to protect himself from the disease, <laughs> is what he says. Right, which is not how anything works. Yeah, well, right. Anne comes in and tries to comfort him, um, but he's a terrible patient. He just, in the way of those people, you know those people who are just like, they get sick and it's at the end of the fucking world. Um, yeah. He is one of those They've, people. Exactly. They don't know how to operate without like full capacity so it's just a mess they don't know how to sick so we go back to parks and rec and this is where i need to mention that uh i actually uh worked worked well yeah i worked on the cbs lot while they were doing parks and rec um uh, in the same building where they filmed parks and recreation and community i did the cbs diversity showcase so i see this specific parking lot was where I used to park. So they're playing like football outside. And I'm like, I know where that is. Um, I only ever, I accidentally got off on the wrong floor one time and ended up in a, like some sort of makeshift Pawnee set. And I was like, Oh, this is amazing. (laughs) Um, And then I used to see um, some of the cast, like out near the, the big studio where they would shoot, like running around and having a great time. It seemed really nice. Okay, so back at the hospital, I'm just taking mono, mono and two word notes at this point. Hospital, April, mm. call button, Anne appears. Yeah, uh, turns April out wants more medicine, and she's like, you, "That medicine's super powerful." And she's like, "Well, I didn't get any because Leslie came by and stole mine." Yes, and then we find and out she's also off. stolen Chris's, right. and she's, so she's taken three doses of whatever this medicine is, and like left the hospital. Yeah, she's taken all of this very strong medication and run away. Uh, this is terrible pandemic protocol, Leslie. 
This yep. is the worst thing you could do is steal medicine resources. from other people <laughs> and then run out into a chamber of commerce meeting packed to the gills with all of the community business leaders who are going to go back to their businesses exactly. tomorrow and get everyone sick. Uh, yep, I love you, great. Leslie, but this this hits real different right now. This episode it sure does. Um, the flu? Wasn't that cute? Right. Um, <laughs> So she leaves the hospital, and that's sort of the end of the the test allies enemies portion of the hero's mm. journey. And now she goes to the chamber of commerce meeting, and when she gets there, we are approaching the inmost cave. I may not come out alive, but I'm gone in there. Right, and right. she is. She uh, finds Ben. Ben Ben is very surprised to see her. She seems like she might have it vaguely under control, but then quickly reveals that the floor and ceiling have switched. Right. She's straight like, up oh. hallucinating. Yeah, yeah, she is. And she starts walking very oddly to right. compensate. He is very worried and also insulted that she doesn't trust him. Yeah. To do the presentation, exactly. but she says, look, this is my project. This is my career. I want to make sure I've done everything I can to see it through. And then she turns to the wall and says, hello, I'm Leslie Monster. Welcome to Nightline. And he's, <laughs> and he's like, we're sunk. This is it. So now we're in act three. Uh, we go back to Ron's office where the weirdest part of this episode is Ron and Andy talking politics because Andy seems to be some sort of weird political sponge he's like completely <laughs> sopped up all of ron's indoctrination right it's just ron like, is... yeah li- yeah libertarianism is is awesome and communism a big swing and a miss and he even <laughs> like swing and a miss. throws yeah. out the term religious oligarchy and they're like wow he's like i'm, yeah. I'm good at this Ron is also grilling steaks in his office. Like in his the, office. The smoke is going up to the uh, <laughs> six-foot ceiling and stopping, yep. and, uh, and they're drinking and mm-hmm. um, just talking and really just hitting it off. Yeah. Um, and you get the idea. You're like, uh-oh, for, for Andy, this is business as usual. Andy right. is like a puppy. He'll follow anyone. Ryan loves everybody. But for Ron to be bonding with someone, we're getting dangerously close to uh, someone might need something from him. And or, that always makes him uncomfortable. Any tenant of friendship is, is looming on the horizon for poor right. Ron. Uh, back at the hospital, Chris is disgusting. He has the classic staring in the mirror line saying to himself, stop pooping yeah so chris this is a small montage of chris beating himself up for being sick this is another one of those things where it's like people who don't get sick often just don't know how to be sick like they don't know how to not make everyone else crazy they don't know how to just take time off and like rest and let their bodies heal and they don't know how to not beat themselves up about being sick so he he's Lying on the floor, he tells Annie threw up in a drawer. He's just stares. The entire bit is that he stares into a mirror in probably the bathroom attached to his room and goes, stop pooping. And he's so angry <laughs> at himself. It's so funny. And Anna's just trying to convince him to relax. And it's like, yeah. all you can do is wait this out and take your medicine. You can't do anything to speed this up. Right. But the upshot of this is that she is no longer intimidated. Oh by yeah. Him. This is completely dispelled. Any notions of perfection in this dude. She's over. She's elated by that. She's like, I don't, don't think he's really humanized him. Did this. Uh, yeah. Flu. yeah. Um, back at Tamer, Chamber of Commerce, Tom shows up. Uh, ben is is angry at him, but it turns out that his day of schmoozing at Spawnee um, mm-hmm. has been with three uh, notable businessmen who own car parking lots, and that he's secured some cars and transportation for the Harvest Festival. So yeah, he's got a fleet of vehicles. Yeah, Tom helps in his own way. 
but doesn't even after this the next time we see tom he's plugging his uh his side business the snakehole lounge in a ridiculous right. like in introducing leslie he's like oh uh, there's a special at snakehole lounge wait but this can't be right this is too good of a deal um, yeah. That sort of thing. So Tom really, they're very careful with Tom to make sure that he's competent, but more selfish than he is competent. Right. He's only 65% useless, but he is 65% useless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and um, there is a little, a little tender gooey center there, but mostly he's out for himself. Yeah. Um, you only really see his true any sort of shade of like competence or any kind of altruism come out when they put him in contrast to an even more ridiculous character like John Ralphio. Then you're like, Oh, Tom is actually not as bad as he could be. It's yeah. It's when you see how he could be worse that you're like, Oh, well maybe not so bad. And it, it, the, the series eventually lands on Tom's not applying himself in the right areas. He's not meant for government, which is a, you know, thankless, selfless sort of, it's designed to be selfless and thankless, but he only wants to be selfish and lauded uh, in every task. We cut back to Ron and Andy and Ron spills the beans to Andy about where April is. Right. Um, and he doesn't want to. He's like, I don't want to get involved in people's stuff. But Andy is so pathetic looking. And he's like, yeah. I just want to apologize. Um, and then Andy hugs him despite Ron's protestations. Again, bad pandemic protocol. Ron, you've been True. at the hospital today. Yeah. No hugging. No hugging. Uh, all learning, no hugging. <laughs> all learning, so, no hugging. So now yeah, we, we, uh, we come to the supreme ordeal. So uh, Leslie has been introduced. She gets up. Uh, she looks miserable, and she gets up to the podium and then knocks it out of the park because she's Leslie Nope. Yeah, she adrenaline, fucking, hell of a drug. It's truly, <laughs> yeah. And also, I think this is just at the core of her being is to be a civil servant. Like, it's a default mode. It's not yeah. effort. It's effort for sure, but all of the effort is just to, to be the person that she is. Yeah, um, she's just like, this is what the Harvest Festival used to be. This is what it could be. This is how it's great for Kapani. This is how it's great for business. This is how it's part of our heritage. This is, and she's, it's really a rousing speech. Yeah. When they, when the writers get, get to do a like Leslie Nope rallies the town moment on this mm-hmm. show. It's always just really good. Like it's really, it's what keeps this show from just being a kind of like yuck, yuck, yuck sitcom where it's yeah. like, look at these ineffectual people doing stupid bureaucratic stuff. It's like, no, some of these people really care. And like, sometimes it really goes well. We have been thinking this whole episode, she's in no shape to do this speech. Right. And then she gets up there and she just hits a home run. She ends her speech to thunderous applause. Right before she ends her speech, we go back to the hospital and counts down the end of her shift and then yells at April once she is no yeah. longer a nurse. Um, she tells April that the kiss wasn't Andy's fault. It was stupid. And to stop being mad at her and stop being mad at Andy and, you know, you, that that whole thing. And, and storms out and April says she's never respected Anne more than, than this moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, back um, at the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, yeah, like I said, the, the speech ends, thunderous applause. They go into a Q&A session, and it's clear that Leslie has run out of, out of adrenaline and steam. She, she loses her momentary clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, she 
Ben takes over for the question and answer portion because, and she introduces him as Scott Bakula. Give it up for Scott Bakula. But we get a talking head moment of Ben being super impressed with Leslie. And yeah. He says that was that was a flu-ridden Michael Jordan at the '97 NBA Finals. That was, you know, he's going on, and then he ends it and says that was Leslie Nope. Mm-hmm. Um, the seeds of their relationship continue to grow yes. 12 episodes hence they will kiss for the first time and eventually they will get married in season five episode 14 there you go the next uh scene is at the hospital where ben, ben is bringing leslie some food and i really really like this scene uh for its <laughs> it's understated sort of um like will they won't they isn't so obvious uh, he has brought oh. her... I'm sorry. I just feel like I keep... Sorry. I guess I'm out of practice. This is the rewards consequence. I feel like I keep forgetting to mention when we've crossed another stage oh, of the sure. hero's journey. Uh, okay. Yeah. So this is so that was the Supreme Ordeal. She triumphs. Um, she, she has beaten the shadow of the disease. Mm-hmm. But um, the reward consequences portion is yet to come. We don't know. You know, because there is an outside entity that has to quantify... We have to reach 80 business owners there's a number right. we're trying to hit exactly. we don't know yet uh what the reward consequences are so we go to the hospital i really like this scene a lot because it really underplays the will they won't they but it also uses the reward consequences uh in a in a sort of slippery way yes the idea here is that ben tells leslie she has succeeded she needed 80 business owners she's gotten over 120 something like that but the script switches it on us because that's not really the big reward consequences moment what it is is that leslie has succeeded and ben has started to respect her she trusts Mm -hmm. ben a little bit more ben respects her a little bit more and there's this great side bit where he's brought her waffles from jj's and also chicken soup that he made himself and she is like doesn't even hear the words about the chicken (laughs) soup she's like giving the waffles and he's like, oh, right. okay. And he, he's like, sets it to the side. And then before he leaves, he's like, I've made that myself. And she's like, thank you. As she's like, just ham- like shoving a waffle into her mouth. She picks up the waffle and is gnawing on the edge of it like it's a giant cookie. It's, yeah. it's a really beautiful moment of physical comedy because, you know, everyone knows you eat waffles with a fork and a knife. Not if you're in no. the hospital. Mm-mm. Not for Leslie Nope. It's just a nice moment where instead of like being like, I made this soup for you. Oh, what does that mean? She's like, fuck you. <laughs> These waffles. Get them away. <laughs> it's just a nice way to subvert um, your expectations about the will they won't they kind of a thing. Yeah. It's cute. Mm. Um, so then we have in a different hospital room, Andy shows up in April's room and she seems to be sleeping. He apologizes. Um, and because I think because we have the moment with Anne before this where Anne says, don't take it out on Andy. It wasn't right. his fault. And then he shows up and he apologizes and he says, just stay sleeping. I'm really sorry. I really like you. And he gives her a kiss on the forehead. And then he says, that's really gross. Your forehead's really sweaty. And he's like wiping his lips <laughs> off as he leaves the room. He's like, I still like you, but geez. <laughs> Right. And she cracks her eyes open and smiles. We realize she wasn't sleeping seven episodes from now. They will get married. <laughs> That's the best is that they seven are almost, episodes. they are almost married right now. <laughs> yep. 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 Uh, so then we end it with a brief tag uh, where it's at the hospital and we're setting up what happens uh, from here on out. Uh, Chris and Ben, uh, Chris tells Ben that they've, got the opportunity to stay in Pawnee a while longer and both Chris and Ben based on like this episode 
uh, both agree that there's something more in Pawnee that they'd like to pursue. Because remember, they're hired guns from Indianapolis. They're auditors and they're being right. recalled. But Chris is like, I think we should ask for an extension. Um, Chris also all better and going to do a light yeah, 5K 100%. jog back to the hosp- back to the office. It's a, I'm sorry. It's a light 15K because oh, he right. missed yesterday. Light 15K. Um, and they both want to stay in Pawnee. Spoiler, they will eventually. Um, <laughs> eventually, they'll both go to work for... Well, Chris will become the city manager, and Ben will go to work for a variety of different, do a bunch of different things in Pawnee. Yeah. Um, Point is, they they stick around at this moment. They both have to very subtly admit that Pawnee offers them something more than just their job. Chris, it's less stated, but Chris is like... This 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 has brought Chris and Anne closer together. It's brought Ben and Leslie closer together. They care more about the community. It's just, you know, it's it's a way to be like they aren't going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. So that's the end of the episode. Um, the yeah. rewards consequences are um, Leslie has got the businesses she needs for the Harvest Festival. Also, these romantic relationships are deepening. Um, both Andy and and April. And Anne and Chris and Ben and Leslie. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, a lot happens in this episode. There are four plots and uh, very short scenes and a lot going on. You know, take take note, Saved by the Bell. Yeah, Just but maybe you... keep it to four scenes or four, four plots and right. uh, get through everything quicker. You know who the loser is here, though? Public health and safety in Pawnee because we have <laughs> typhoid Leslie running around uh, to the Chamber of Commerce meeting, infecting everyone. Yeah, it's a, it's a very different watching this episode now. Um, it's different watching everything now. Again, like kissing somebody sick on the forehead. I'm like, how? What a ridiculous right. idea! Right. Let's let's talk about this in the the format of our usual podcast. We're gonna always try to, no matter what ridiculous, crazy episodes we do, we'll always try to bring it back around to. You know how well did this execute what it was trying to say? I don't think it was trying to let anybody know about flu safety or social distancing or anything like that, but it does provide sort of like a remember where we were nine years ago and how much more we know now. It it does provide like a contrast Uh, as much as a lot of the episodes we watch have a lot to do with like how we how we view uh, sexism and race relations and drug abuse and these sorts of things. Uh, this really will mark a difference between how we viewed uh, an epidemic or a you know any anything doing with quarantine uh, back in 2011 and how we're dealing with it now or how yeah. we even view it now. From a writing perspective, it's a very effective episode in terms of like getting a bunch of relationships to the next level really really efficiently. Yeah. This whole show is just a it's a fantastic comedy writing masterclass, but this episode in particular is like how do we advance a bunch of relationships and the main plot of the season and make mm-hmm. it funny and uh, have some unexpected bits. Like it just they they get so much done in this one half hour episode. It's Absolutely. kind of amazing to watch when you and, really are like breaking it down. Yeah, and literally every character uh, unlike a lot of you know dramas of the same ilk that are trying to deepen relationships, every character is operating, you know, as they should. Nobody goes 
outside of, of what you would expect from them, even when people make changes or do things differently, there's a justification for that. Yeah. Um, you know, Ron d- d- becomes friends with Andy here, despite his better judgment. But how are you going to help that? That sort of thing. Um, it's it's nice. It's nice to see, and it's nice that they found a way to do it that didn't make you think that any of the characters are behaving falsely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Miles, you have a bit of an update for us. I sure do. Oh, yeah. I uh, tallied up our... Uh, so, if listeners came at, at us late. We, you know, we graded all of our snacks last season uh, to keep ourselves a little accountable uh, to up our snack game. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, let's see here. We had only one F in the lot. Which one was that? That was, uh, I'd have to go back and look. I'd have, I'm looking oh, at a sorry. list. No, I wrote right. down. No, it's okay. Uh, and then we had five Ds. We had ten As. And our, our letter grade average was a C plus. That's not bad. We passed. It's better than we did for season two, right? For season I two, I feel so. like we had a D. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the no, Italian, sna- Italian snacking beans got the F. Yeah. Uh, they, well, they should. Yeah. Uh, nothing good about those. Nope. Um, no redeeming qualities. At least when you eat beans with a meal, it's like, this is nutritious. This is good for me. Why are you eating them extracurricularly? Like, yeah. what are they even doing for you at that point? Um, okay. Everybody. Jelly beans are no beans at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk about what we learned from this episode of Parks and Recreation. Yeah, I mean, I think overall we learned that everything's different now. Um, oh, my God. You know. I want it to be like, uh, Anne, you're at the hospital with the flu epidemic. Why are you not wearing a mask? Wear a mask, yeah. Anne. And it's like, oh, yeah, actors and things. And when Chris wears it, it's funny. Like, it's played right. for a joke when Chris is wearing a, a face mask and, in you know... Um, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing you learn is that everything is 100% different. Being in amidst the crisis, it's it's weird to see how much everything has changed already. Who did you want to hug? Uh, nobody, because that's not what we should be doing right now. No. Uh, that said, wow, are we going to have to drop this segment <laughs> show um i always I would wanna... hug retta retta was never exposed to any sick yeah, person and she never went to go. the hospital and i love her so i would there hug uh, donna meagle let's do it hugging donna meagle um it should be should be the title of something or another hugging donna meagle um <laughs> yeah i'm into that it's either her or, or jerry and no thanks um. <laughs> well, Jerry's not Jerry's not in the clear because Leslie licked all of his stuff. So until he has sanitized uh, his entire desk, I'm not and, hugging him. Yeah, and also, come on, it's Jerry. Um, yeah, so watch all of Parks and Rec on Netflix and Hulu, not just this episode. Start from the beginning. Watch the whole thing. You have yep. time. It yep. will be time well spent. Um, because in this war that we are now all fighting... If you are not a doctor or a nurse, if you are not a delivery driver or a person who is an essential worker who is out there uh, on the front lines keeping us all running, thank you so much. But if you're not one of those people like Andy and Miles and I aren't, um, yeah. then then patience is our greatest weapon and yeah, social distancing just... works. So, um, yeah. Uh, so, folks, this is going to be a weird season, um, and I'm glad that you're along with us for this this journey I'm very excited to see what we're going to do next. Um, I'm also very yeah. excited specifically about what we're going to do next. Chelsea, next time on this yeah. podcast, oh my God. we're f- finally getting into it. 
the best series ever created. The show of our Kids times. Incorporated. Kids Incorporated. Yes, we are going to watch what? season six, episode Which isn't 15. until I said out loud, is just child labor. <laughs> Uh, it's incorporated. Yeah. It's just child business. It's not in about a sweatshop, t- weirdly. Um, well, or is, is it, it? Yeah. Um, it, we'll, we'll find out next time. Um, we're going to be watching Kids Incorporated. Uh, the, the episode is called Karate Kids. I don't know that you can find this on Disney Plus. As I don't have a. You don't. You there. can't. I looked it up. Um, you can't find it. Okay. Sorry, you can't find it anywhere but YouTube. Um, you know we don't. Go we don't YouTube, like then. to send you to YouTube if you can stream it somewhere illegally. But like, you can't. I've checked all the all of the There's regular really spots, and you can't stream it. Yeah. Which no. is a so real crime. Go on to YouTube. Kids Incorporated, Karate Kids. But please trust me, in this one especially, you're gonna want to watch it. Because you won't believe the sorts of things that happen. There are a few things that happen that do kind of defy description. You, yeah, you're just gonna want to watch it. You'll also think we're making some things up, and that's not true. No, we never make things up. Also, if if there's anything in particular that you think we should know about, or that you want us to talk about, um, even if it's not a very special episode, because we've established that those rules are kind of lax for season four, uh, hit us up on Instagram or Facebook, or send us an email at Hugging and Learning Podcast, all spelled out, at gmail.com. We are watching those uh, uh, very closely, and we're going to try to get to all of your requests, uh, ridiculous or otherwise. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, until next time, folks, this is Andy and Chelsea saying stay inside. And wash your hands. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box, where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks!